Amen. Exodus chapter 3. First, let me tell you something. It's important to the sermon. The Volkswagen group made a sports car called a Bugatti. A lot of you know what that is? A Bugatti. It's a very expensive, very nice sports car that has 16 cylinders. There was a model they worked on that had 18 cylinders. That is a lot of horsepower. On the Autobahn, if they just wanted to shoot forward with no speed limit, it could go 250 miles per hour. Why? Just because it's awesome. Just because it's a, because you can. That is just insane. So much horsepower, incredible feat of human engineering inside of that. Heard Bob Beale talk about that with some cool leadership principles. You know, inspired a lot of what I'm doing today. Um, but remember that. Bugatti. It's kind of a weird name. Bugatti. (laughs) Exodus chapter 3. Let's read about Moses real quick. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. This is Moses after he's left Egypt. He's grown He ran to escape some stuff, and he's made a life for him, working for his father-in-law. He's got a wife. He's got kids. He's built a life here. This is where he is, right? It's what he's doing. Not not really a lot going on, but it's, it's a good thing, a job, right, and family and growing the flock, growing the business. It says in 3.4, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. So Moses goes to the far side of the wilderness where he's at, leading the flock. And this is the spot where he's isolated that God says, This is where I'm going to reveal myself to Moses through a burning bush. Which corporately, can we agree that God talking through a burning bush that won't be consumed is very weird. All of us agree on that? That's weird. There's no, that is a weird thing. Like, okay. Um, and this is the start. Like, God puts us in some strange circumstances and some weird things happen that we can't explain, but this is a mark that God is about to do something when it's like, this is strange, and I don't know why he's doing it this way, But there's about to be a lot more questions connected to why, and we'll get to that in a second. But the infamous God calling out to him from the burning bush. Here's one of the things he says in verse 10. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God says to Moses, I have heard the cry of my children. They were once living it up really good as actually a much smaller family in Egypt. And over the generations, they grew and grew and grew. And the new Pharaoh says, forget the old promise we had with these guys. There's way too many of them. They're going to be our slaves. And God says, I know that there's a greater destiny for them, and I hear the heart cry of my people. Moses, I choose you to be used by me to go rescue my people and to lead them. This is about the time the fog creeps in. It's funny that we could get very, very direct messages from God, things that are non-negotiable, things that we know just like this has to be done or this is true, yet fog can creep in. 
This is really what I want to talk about is the fog of life today. This whole sermon series is about being squeezed. When pressures come in, when we're squeezed, what comes out? And the fog of life comes in and it squeezes us and it robs us of our clarity. Let me tell you what I mean. The very next thing that Moses says in in verse 11 But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I wrestled really hard with what story to open up with. Usually when we preach and we nail down a Bible story or a character, like a a historic figure in the Bible, and we evaluate their life or their journey, we go through like, I'll give you a spoiler alert right now. Everything works out with Moses. He gets the people all the way to the promised land. It's a crazy journey. There's like plagues and 40 years in the wilderness and all this crazy stuff, but he ends up being who God needs him to be. Read it yourself. I wanted to grab onto this moment right now where he's called, and I struggled with this because everybody in the Bible has that fog come in and it manifests itself differently for everybody. And that's you and me today. The fog of life that comes in may present you with different questions that you have about different situations, but it doesn't change that it's foggy and that we all have questions. I love that Moses is like, who? Who am I that I because this, this is only followed up by why, when, where, what, how. These are all of those questions that we all struggle with. And some of them are very legitimate, some more than others. But we'll get to that. But this is all about being squeezed and learning how to navigate the fog of life. When I was living with Bishop and Carol a few years ago, Lauren and I, uh, man, this was probably like six years ago, um, we lived in their basement. We were saving money for a down payment on our house. And I had gotten done with youth group that night. And when I had gotten done, how's that back road you take? Is it Joliet? Can't remember. You would know it. Right by Whitehawk. Anyways, you turn there. And as I'm going down, I take a little bend in the road. And the densest fog I have ever seen since I've moved up here was just filled. I mean, I just, I had to stop. Like, not like a little mist over the road. It was like, I cannot see. What do you do when you hit the fog? What do you do? Slow down or stop. There's always usually one person that's like, speed up. Like, that's a traditional bad idea. Don't speed up when you hit the fog. That's how you get in a wreck. Yeah, you slow down. That is the right response. I don't know what to do, and I got to navigate through this, and I can't see. There are three things I want to point out to you about the fog of life. Three things we need to watch out for. And then I'm going to answer three proverbs that are going to really help us, I think, navigate where we're going and what we're doing. It should be encouraging. I'm going to tell you this right now. I do not have the answers to life. The sermon doesn't end with me going, do this. And it's like, oh, better. Thank you. Like, if you get the answer to the fog of life, please let me know. I would love to have that. But I think the Bible does give us some really good answers as how to navigate this. All right? Three things we need to watch out for. Um, First, remember the Bugatti? 16 cylinders, 250 miles per hour. I mean, you're going that fast. If you hit a small rock while you're going that fast, you're going to space. Like, there's... 
You hit that the wrong way. That's insane. Amazing engine. You're driving that Bugatti and you hit that fog. I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter how much horsepower you have, what you have in that engine, how good, how skilled of a driver you are. You hit that fog. You have got to stop or you are in serious trouble. The fog of life negates ability. Doesn't matter what kind of car you're driving in the fog. You're going one to five miles per hour, (laughs) depending how dense that fog is. Now, when I say it negates your ability, it doesn't mean that you're not talented anymore. It doesn't mean that you're not gifted and that you have special skills. What I'm telling you is that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how gifted or naturally skilled you are. When the fog of life comes in, you have got to reassess that situation and realize that your own strength is not enough. It's not enough. It doesn't matter what you're driving at that moment because you can't see farther than a few feet in front of you. I got so nervous when I was driving, like immediately start thinking of thoughts I wouldn't think before. Someone going to drive up and hit me because they're going too fast? Am I going to hit somebody? Like you just start thinking things differently. I want to lean on those gifts and things like that, but that will get you in trouble because that means it's you flesh-centered living that's happening and not spiritual. Uh, I think about uh, Michael Jordan. His dad was killed. That was a crazy thing, right? MJ's dad died. And then he was trying to already navigate what the next season of his life was with the NBA. Like, what did the league look like then? And what was he going to do? Was he going to go to another team? Was he going to stay? Was he just going to stop playing basketball at all? And, you know, he made the decisions that he felt like were best for him at the time. What I want to point out is that dude was so crazy skilled and talented, but those were not skills that he could lean on when the fog of life came in. Do you understand the fog of life that I'm talking about for you is all sorts of situations. It's going to reveal itself in so many ways. And the reason why I couldn't just hang on Moses is because that's just one area where the fog came in. But there are so many other people that had fog in different ways, like Joseph. I've been teaching about Joseph a lot, like almost every week in youth group. I really love that guy. 17 years old, thrown in a pit. Against his will, he didn't have anything to say about it. There were no decisions to be made there. You call that fog of life. This is crazy. Moses had some actual decision-making to hear do. Joseph didn't get to choose to be a slave. He's a slave. But he did have more options than we realized. Joseph really had the options of how he was going to respond in his heart, what his attitude was going to be through this whole thing. Joseph showed incredible character, integrity. That's what he was in charge of in that journey. How about Noah? Noah got the very clear what. What are you supposed to do, Noah? Noah, you build this ark. Why? When is it going to be important? Where is it going to come from? How am I going to get all this? Like a lot of these questions he didn't have the answer to. It was foggy as all get out. God did not give him all of the answers, but he was faithful and obedient. I mean, I could go after character, character, person, person, person from the Bible, and the fog looks different for everybody. And you are posed with your own navigating issues in the fog of life. Are you with me? And when that time comes, you cannot lean on your own strengths. Bugatti, spaghetti, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? 
The fog negates ability. Number two, the fog of life is exhausting. It's tiring. Some of you have been in the fog, like it's been a really crazy month. Some of you have been in the fog of life for years. Trying to keep plates spinning and you have no idea for how long you're going to do this and what the exit strategy is. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. That is tiring. Some of you have had fog in your life, identity speaking, like who you are on the inside. And it is tiring trying to pretend to be somebody that you are not. It's exhausting. I think the Sabbath is so important for us to stop, to refocus ourselves on God, to actually find rest in him. This means my identity is in him. Who are you? That's an important question we're going to come back to. It is tiring. I think the fog of life is less of a problem than we understand it to be. I actually think the fog of life is what God uses to help us refocus some things on him. To refocus some of our priorities. You may be really, really tired, but that doesn't change the character of God. It doesn't change it. And when I say exhausting, I'm not just talking about like, am I getting enough sleep? Which is important. That type of rest is important. But have you just like felt that exhaustion in the core of who you are? Like, I can't do this anymore. It's a sign that God wants to do something in your heart. Maybe I'm focused on the wrong things. That something is up, but God is doing something in the fog. But beware of that exhaustion because that feeds into the third thing, which is number three, the fog of life makes us flirt with bad ideas. When you are in the fog of life, you will consider things that you do not normally consider. In the fog of life, that this squeeze that we're getting and we don't know what to do, the clarity is gone, we see who we really are. That's the, the bad, good thing that happens. That, do you understand that oxymoron? The, the good, bad thing. The, the thing that's like, this is really unfortunate, but at the same time, what's coming out of me is showing what's really there. Like, what is your real source? What is the source of life for you? What is the source of energy? What do you run to when you need comfort? What do you run to when things get hard? We talk about our faith or we sing our songs or we go to church, but then it gets bad and the fog comes in and a lot of us drop it at the first sign and run to something. Let's read about Saul. You remember King Saul, first king of Israel? 1 Chronicles 10, 13 through 14. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. This is a warning. He did not keep the word of the Lord, and he even consulted a medium for guidance. He wanted guidance, and he went to a medium and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Warning. <laughs> He was in the fog so deep 
And let, let me be honest for myself, and you do this for you. You have to. You need to take responsibility for your own relationship with God, your own life, right? A lot of times I end up in fog because of my own doing. Yeah? Me. I did it. Problem with Saul is he did not repent. He was not running back to God. His heart was not to admit that he was wrong or deal with his problems. He kept running the wrong way. And he consult, He wanted to know the answers to questions so bad. And I, and I understand that. I really do. I understand wanting to know the questions, like the answers so bad in moments of fog. But he went to a demonic source to summon something that was not godly to do what he did to a medium even disguised himself so the medium didn't know who he was at first because he was not supposed to do that. We flirt with bad ideas when we become desperate. We consider things that the world is doing when I don't have the answers. Let it purify you, church. Let it, let it mess with your mind. Let it mess with your heart. Don't let the fog drive you to ungodly things. Don't flirt with things. Some of you are flirting with things this morning. Have things in your life that are not godly. Well, how do you know if it's godly or not? What is something that all of you or most of you, some of you know that I'm going to say this morning. I say it every time I'm up here. Read your Bible. That's so good. It is still alarming to me how many Grown adults go to church in America on a Sunday morning and do not read their Bible. Pastor's got it. He'll tell me what I need to know. Hit the highlights, Pastor. Do you understand that when the fog comes in, that Pastor Ron's relationship with God is not enough for you? It is your own relationship with Jesus that is going to help highlight things. So do you want to know if something's godly or not? Ask God, read his Bible, hide it in your heart. If your heart is to please him and to seek him, you will find him. Seek me and you will find me. It's actually amazing. The Bible sets us up. If you read the Bible, you will see that it prepares us for fog much more than we anticipate coming. We may not anticipate, anticipate where the fog comes from, but we can anticipate fog. We had, who knew that 2020 was going to be the way that it has been? How could you predict that? How do you prepare for some of these things? Well, hopefully we can get some good answers. But I'll tell you what, your ability is not going to be enough. Get ready for a fight because it's exhausting. And do not flirt with bad ideas. Know who you are before you get in it. Because this is not the first time you've probably been in the fog. If it is, you're not the first one to go through it. You're not going to be the last one to go through it. And you're going to go through another fog after that. It's part of our life cycles. But it, the thing is, the more we go through it, the better we, be, we become at navigating it. Let's not flirt with bad ideas. <clears throat> All right? Now let's get to some Proverbs. This is good. I love these Proverbs. And honestly, there's a lot that we could go into. Proverbs is such a good book. Like, just a, a little bit a day keeps the devil away. <clears throat> Plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. Okay. One more thing that I do like about Moses is that he was just chilling, doing what he was doing. And pretty proactive. I mean, 
I think for all intents and purposes, like you could consider him running a business or co-running a business. And he's got a family and he's, you know, he's not doing nothing. But God had more in store for him. And can I tell you, God has more in store for you. Just when you get comfortable and you want to do nothing, that's when God's like, oh no, we've got a job to do, right? And I always like to point out that Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross for my sins. He died on the cross for your sins. Come on, you got to grab onto that and that applies to you. And this is about to hopefully light a little bit of a fire under your butt, but he, he died for you too. He beat sin and death where I was lost and deserving of hell. He saved me. He rose from the grave, spent some time with his disciples, and then was ascending into heaven. And when he was ascending into heaven, the last thing he left us with, the words that he wanted to make sure he got out before he was gone, the Great Commission. Go, do, be me to everybody. Be Jesus so everybody knows. Tell the truth in a land of darkness and lies. You must be truth. So I tell you that so that you know at the very least, You cannot just sit in a chair and say you're being Jesus. Sunday morning is not all there is. There is more. And that is important when you're in the fog. When clarity goes away, it's important to know that you don't just sit there. There is something for you to improve upon. There is something for you to be. So in this calling, I'm not saying you have to plan to do a business. Some of you are. But I want to know, what are you doing? We ask who, what, when, where, how, why, when the fog of life comes in. I know you want a lot of those answers. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all of these things will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom first, and everything will fall in place right where it's supposed to go. Has that been your priority? So Moses is called. But then on top of that, when we're figuring out life, and I know I'm supposed to be proactive doing something, which is convicting enough for all of us, I hope, obtain guidance. Nothing about our faith is supposed to be isolated, lone ranger, cowboy Christianity. That is not a thing. That's a fleshly human thing. We need each other. The Bible says we're meant to be the body of Christ, work together, help each other out. We see things that the other person doesn't see and vice versa. It's funny how we can make plans ourselves. Love the way it sounds, but then you say it in front of somebody. Different story. I mean, we could really convince ourselves of things or hang out with somebody that's not a believer. How about that? Do you ever get any advice Any counsel from someone that doesn't love God, not doing great, make you feel better about yourself, right? Not so bad. And then you like get around people that are salt and light of the earth. Oh, it's different. (laughs) That's different. That's not godly at all. We need each other. We need relationship. Men's breakfast, Saturday, 8 o'clock. We need to be connected I need the advice of people that have gone before me. I need experienced, seasoned people in my life. I need brothers and sisters that I can lock arms with and hold shields up together. Like, I need these things to help find my way. 
God's put them in our life. Now, people struggle with this. I'm sure women struggle with this too. I know men better, so I don't know. But I know guys oftentimes run from this because they don't like to expose what's underneath, the vulnerability, the getting called out, the revealing. And there's right and wrong ways to do those things, but you definitely need it. And if you isolate yourself and you don't deal with the things that you need to deal with, you only prolong the misery and the loneliness and the fog. You only prolong how good things could really be if we just walked into this sooner. How many testimonies of I wish I would have, right? Plans are established by seeking advice. So seek advice. I don't have to be alone in this fog, right? You're not the only one. Like, there is such a fog over the U.S. right now. We're not alone. We are not alone. Next one. Proverbs 20, 24. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? I feel like it's rhetorical, and then I feel like it's not. First of all, how then can anyone expect to know their own way? (laughs) But then another thing is, like, if my steps are directed by the Lord, and it's an actual question, if there's anything that I am going to know about my journey and my path, where am I going to find it? Where will I find it? The Scripture tells me. The Lord My steps are directed by the Lord to try and find myself and my identity in anything else but him is insanity. It's actual craziness. We were created in the image of God. He has given us life. He's the one that gives us purpose. It says the word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I may not know miles and miles what's going on, but I know right here, right now, if I'm going to find anything, it's in the word of God and it's in his character. That's a good thing. Well, that's actually very helpful for fog. (laughs) How can anyone understand their own ways? Here's another question I want to ask you. What do we really need to know? This one hurts me a lot. What do we need to know? Do you understand the word need? What we need to know so often rarely lines up with what we want, what we need, and what we want. What we need and what we want rarely line up when it comes to knowing. What do I need to know? The question why, that's the most commonly asked, right? Why, God? Why did this happen? Why is this happening? Why did this happen to me? Why is this going on in the world? Like, why, why, why? And I'm not saying we don't ever get the answer to why. There are some good whys, like, why did Saul die? Oh, because he turned away from God and consulted a medium and did all that stuff. Okay, well, that makes sense. That's a good why. But that's not, you know that's not the why I'm talking about. Something about human nature is like, I just got to know. That is energy poorly spent. When you're in the fog, Why? It's a wasted time. God is working things out inside of you and in mankind as a whole. God is a very good multitasker. He has a bajillion things going on at one time, and he's not even breaking a sweat. Why? The next one followed behind why is when. 
Oh, we're waiting for something for so long. And it's funny, we ask the question when about our life, especially in the fog, it's like watching the oven, waiting for it to preheat. Or when you're waiting for like bread or cookies to get done, right? Just walk away. Just wait for the timer. Just let it tell you when it's done. You're just going to make it last longer and longer and longer. Why and when are not really what we're supposed to be focusing on in these seasons. It's an internal thing happening. The question that I think is most important, especially when we're in the fog, is who? Who do I fix my gaze on? And who am I? Who am I? Are you a son or daughter of Christ? Is your identity fixed on him? Are you who he says you are? Is he who he says he is? It's funny, I'm not saying you intentionally do this, but subconsciously, we all do. We question the motive of God. Let that sink in for a second. We ask all these questions, and we want to know why you're doing this. That is questioning the motive of God. This is beyond like, I want to learn. This is like, I don't think you're doing it right. Is he God or isn't he? Really what we need to do is question our own motives. When things get crazy, why are you flirting with that? Why are you so unsure? The fog comes and we start asking questions that we weren't asking the day before. It's because it wasn't relevant. But now that you don't see and you're not as in control as you were before, you have all kinds of questions. Well, I just don't think. Okay, great. (laughs) Who is God and who are you? The fog has been sent to clarify some things. Because something that's really crazy, when you think about it, the densest fog can come across and you can't see, but the landscape in the fog does not change. The path hasn't changed at all. Fog doesn't move trees. Fog doesn't pull up mountains and set them over here. Fog didn't put the ditch like three feet over. The road has stayed the same. God's path. God hasn't changed a bit. The fog only messes with our vision. It takes away our clarity a little bit. But the landscape hasn't changed. Uh, Andrew got to talk about Dark Knight whenever he was preaching. I'm gonna, the Batman. I'm going to talk about Star Wars for just a second. <clears throat> From the only Star Wars movie out of five that Disney did well, the only good one is Rogue One. And if you don't believe that, you're not a real Star Wars fan, and I'll fight you after this. We can talk about that later. That's not why I'm here. <clears throat> but in Rogue One, there is a blind character named Churrit, and he is like a Jedi, like almost like wannabe has been, like since the Order has fallen, whatever. He's blind. He, he is completely blind. It's funny, like they put a, ba- a bag over his head when him and his companions are being escorted to a base, and they don't know where it is, but he's blind. He's like, are you kidding me? I am blind. Like it's a waste to put a bag over a blind man's head. But anyways... <clears throat> He's the only one in that movie who actually knows who he is in that entire film. He knows his identity. And when the time comes at the end of that movie, there is a switch that has to be hit. But there are like lasers flying everywhere, explosions, and all these like experienced soldiers are trying to do it. And they're getting shot and killed. They're trying to figure out, navigate through their own skills. He is the one that's like blind and just starts feeling with the stick. And he's, the force is with me. I'm one with the force. I'm one with the force. And the force is with me. I'm one with the force. And the force is with me. And he's just walking by faith through this battlefield. They're like, what are you doing? But he's the one that gets there and flips the switch. 
He does end up dying, but it's a good death. That's another topic altogether. We all need to learn to die to our flesh and to die well, but he is the only one that knew. It was because by faith, he understood it's not by what we see. We live by faith, not by sight, right? By faith, not by sight. The fog comes in, and for some reason, we forget the fundamentals of our faith. That's children's church stuff. That's things that we teach our kids, Why do we throw it out the window? Why does it just go when I get squeezed? God is working on our character. And I really want to challenge you now, like, what is really inside of you? What do I believe? What am I moving towards? Are you just happy with being entertained in your life? That is not the calling. That's not it. Struggling with the same sin over and over. That's not helping you in the fog. And don't think it's perfection that's demanded of you. He knows that we're imperfect. But here, this is my favorite part. Proverbs chapter 2, 6 through 9. For the Lord grants wisdom. Can I have an amen? From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths. Look at that, your path. The foggy path. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, what is just and fair, and you will find the right way to go. That is the reason why the world is going bat crap crazy. The fog is so dense and we've turned to everything else to find our path and where to go. But the truth is God and his word have not changed a bit. We stop looking at him. We stop going to his word and we just start feeling our way around. No, wisdom, knowledge, your path, where to go, understanding. Come on. That's the stuff we're saying we're struggling with having in our clarity. But there it is. He doesn't have a poker hand that he's trying to keep you from seeing. Sure, you are not going to understand all the things that he's doing, if even, even if he tried to explain it to you. That's not his job. But he is not hiding from you. I'm right here. Seek me and you will find me. I stand at the door and knock, right? This is all in the scripture. What I need to worry about is living a life of integrity. I need to be faithful. I need to be upright and just. The fog doesn't change it. I just need to up my game. Maybe I need to pull over. We sing these songs. We just sang them. Your way is better, right? Your way is better. I surrender. How many times do we sing these songs? Do you, have you surrendered really? It, do you really believe his way is better? I'm making room for you. We just sang that. I'm making room for you. Like, are, have you made room for him? Are you so consumed with holding on to the things that you want to hold on to when the fog comes? when it's really revealed about your character and relationships and directions and plans, are you really going to let go of those and make room for what God is doing? Or do you need to do this to your dashboard? 
Do you have a bunch of stuff on the hood of your Bugatti that makes you feel really in control that you are focusing on instead of running after God? Clear it. I am going to make room for you, God. You don't read your Bible? Make time to read your Bible. You have time to do that. I know that you do. You make time for what you want to make time for. The fog only reveals our character. It actually reveals much more than it hides. That's the paradox of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's hard for us to see exactly where we're going right now. But things have not changed, really, with my relationship with God. Fog is nothing to him. (laughs) Remember, he's not concerned about where you're going. He doesn't care about where you've been. He's already died on the cross for your sins. He knows. He's outside of time. He knows exactly how it ends. He cares about your heart in the journey. And ultimately, that's what's going to affect all the other people that are around us. Don't have to, you don't actually have to have the where, what, why, how, when, right? That's actually not the important part. And I know that there are some legitimate questions like, well, Aaron, if I don't get the finances to back this, then it can't happen. Like, okay, that's not, I, I know that you need those questions. I'm telling you the answers are in those who walk upright and pursue him. That is what we're going to use to cut through the fog. He will reveal to you exactly what he wants to reveal. Do you just trust him? Are you leaning on him? Remember, there's, there's fatigue that comes with the fog. We get tired. It doesn't matter what your giftings are. That's not going to be the answer. And you're going to be tempted like the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're going to come at you with things that you wouldn't normally consider when things get tough. Your identity should be in him. Amen? He is my source. I need to be connected to the church and we'll navigate this fog just fine in Jesus' name. No matter what you're going through, no matter what Bible person that you are relating to the most, it's okay. We're going to be okay. The fog is here. It's just showing me things that I need to work on. Amen? Stand up and let me bless you, pray for you. God, I thank you for your church right here, right now. Everybody under the sound of my voice, anyone listening online, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would grab our hearts. Anyone who is struggling in the fog right now feels like they've been drowning in the fog without any clear direction. I pray for your great peace and mercy on that person right now, God. Help to get them connected. They are not alone. They have you and they have the church, God. Break our pride, Lord. Break our tradition and our religion that we cling to, Father. Break the lies, Lord, and help us to live free, God. Lord, I thank you that the fog that has come is something that we're not going to just complain about and whine about moan about God, but that we are going to learn from the fog. We're going to grow from the fog. I thank you that you're purifying your church, Jesus. You're making us more equipped to pierce the fog, Lord. You've called us to be a light, Father, salt and light of the earth, Lord. Give us your wisdom, Lord. 
I thank you that we can find ourselves in you, that, it, that the fog is really just us going through an identity crisis, Lord. You give us all the clarity we need, God. You are the same today, yesterday, and forever. Bless your church, God. Give us such an insatiable appetite for your word and for relationship with you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Be blessed, church, filled with life. Go be salt and light in the world. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Have a great week.